Are you guys tired of sitting on the floor? No. no? That's cool, isn't it? That's awesome. Actually, we're going to go ahead and dismiss the BLAST students and the BLAST workers right now. So they're going to go ahead and they're going to head back for some more worship. By the way, I'm going to plug here for a minute while they're leaving that next week we're going to get to experience a little bit of BLAST with the BLAST kids and the BLAST leaders. And so next week, um, plan on being here. It's the 29th of August. We're going to actually kind of draw them into our time and then talk about uh, what happens back there with all those people disappear into the hole in the wall, okay? <clears throat> so, um, I'll just point out the obvious, you know, I, I, uh, I was getting dressed and I, I said, Janae told me to wear my, my Team 619 shirt, and Chris said, you need to wear something else, too, <laughs> which I think is her way of saying, like, uh, it's time for Team 619 again. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So, praise God for that. Accountability, sometimes you don't want it, you know, in the morning you're getting dressed, you don't want that kind of accountability. All right. Very good. So um, we're going to kind of continue um, in our time in here together uh, speaking about uh, what it looks like to be the church. You know, what, what um, I mean, we changed a lot this morning, but, you know, we, we automatically were just kind of different at Family Bible Church. Not, we don't, not for the sake of being different, um, but really struggling to look, like, to look at what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus and to be part of his ecclesia, right? Whenever Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, he says, you are Peter, Petros. And on this rock, it means rock, Petra, right? Rock. I'm going to build my church. And this rock of the confession of Jesus as Christ. And so I know that sounds like a bunch of kind of like crazy stuff. But the truth is that so much of what we do, um, even here, so much of what we do smacks more of ritual than of following Jesus genuinely. Because following him genuinely is a lot harder, right? I mean, really, to take personal responsibility for your following of the creator of the universe is, is harder. And so what we spent the last few weeks talking about at Family BC is ecclesia at Family BC. Uh, Right? So it means what it looks like for us to follow Jesus here in this local part of the big body of Christ. I want to plug something else, by the way. We had an awesome men's steak night Thursday night. For those who came out, you know. I mean, it was just amazing what we, the things we got into. Um, sharing in, in steak, which is awesome. And then sharing in the word, which is the meat, the scripture. And, and really kind of fleshing that out together with guys. And, and uh, I was really blessed by that experience this week. And just, um, again, what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. Kind of taking all of the um, habits that we've picked up along the way out of, out of the way and looking at that. And so we've talked about um, a few things that I kind of want to pull us forward here. And then we're going we're to spend some time today in the Word, of course, because this is where we, when we look to how we're going to do something, we're going to look to the Word of God and see what it has to say. And we're going to try to look with unfiltered lenses, you know, but it's pretty hard because we all come and we say, oh, I've seen that before. I know what it says. I, I know what Jesus meant there. But this discipleship thing with Jesus, it seems he's always correcting his disciples and saying, well, that's not quite what we're doing. We started a few weeks talk, talking about how we look different. Every church looks different, but it's part of the big C body of Christ. Uh, church, the big C body of Christ. i tell you why I brought up Men's Steak Night. Someone said, what's the purpose of the church? Is the purpose of the church to reach those who don't yet know Christ? 
And all the brothers in the room said, yeah, that's the purpose of the church. Is the purpose of the church to encourage the, the um, believers in Jesus to be more serious about their following after him. And we're like, yeah, that's the, that's the church. And the, the image that I got since uh, steak night, Thursday night, in my mind, is that the church is the bride of Jesus. We talked two weeks ago when I was here last about the body of Christ, that we are the body and he is the head. Literally, that's what we look like. But we're the bride of Christ. We're his precious loved ones. We're the ones that he died for, that he laid down his life for. And that kind of transcends all these myopic, these singular, you know, we, we just see this is the church. It's a building with a, a pointy roof or it's, it's the, the people who are hypocritical or it's the, the people who are really holy and wear big smocks that go to the ground and they carry around beads and pray all the time or whatever we think it is. It's more than that. It's the bride of Jesus the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And we talked about a few of the things that are just amazing about how God has been revealing himself. Paul actually said a few weeks ago, remember we read it, that the church is a revelation to the angels and authorities in heaven. That's amazing. That there's something that we get to do here in following Jesus and the struggle to follow him. And it does feel like that at times. That's a revelation to the principalities and powers. They go, man, there's something going on with these creatures that God's created that we can't thwart, we can't steer them away from him. We've been talking about this, how as a body of Christ, we're automatically creative beings. We do things creatively. I don't claim to be one who's very creative, but I try. You know, I'll just try stuff. And, and this morning I was so blessed, and this isn't for, I love our music selections this morning because some of this stuff came right out of the souls of a follower of Jesus, right? I mean, not that all of them don't, but you know, you get that pop radio thing where you go, oh, I know that song because I've heard it on the radio. But what about a, a uniquely spoken word of God through a follower of Jesus? That has the same power as the stuff we hear all the time. The creativity that we can all bring to the table in Jesus Christ. We spent some time talking about that. And then we talked about how we do all this ecclesia together, you know, that there's this kind of teamwork, this camaraderie, that we're not in it alone. You saw the biggest loser line up here, how, how, you know, any one of us couldn't have done what we've done. But when we're together, we can, we can do much more. And then the, the two weeks, we talked about how God is the one that builds up his kingdom and his, his church. It's his work among us that's doing all these things. I missed last week. I heard there was a really good impersonation of me, for those of you who are here. No, I heard actually that the word of God was spoken, and, and, and I had already talked to, to Steve a little bit about what he's going to share about seeing Jesus, about having eyes to see, and I, I wish I could have been here to experience it with you. I, I was uh, saddened that, that we couldn't be together. Um, there was something missing for me in my discipleship by not being able to be here and experience it. But he talked about uh, looking for Jesus or seeing Jesus. That's about all I, I got to have from that. And then we have two more weeks, this week and next week, where we're going to talk, today we're going to talk about kind of being satisfied in Christ. You know, has, how as the church of Jesus, our ultimate goal is to be completely satisfied in Jesus and everything. And then next week we're going to talk about discipling disciples and what that looks like. And so today... Um, I'm going to kind of roll through, uh, and we're going to talk about three truths today, and I'm just going to roll them off real quick here, but then we're going to kind of get into the Word, of course, and see what we got going on. But I, the three truths I want to talk about today is that we have more than we need, that all is too much, 
and that we're fulfilled, as believers in Jesus, we're ultimately fulfilled in Christ, Christ alone. He's our fulfillment. And um, I don't know if you ever, in your life, if you ever get tired of having so much. Do you ever get tired of that? I mean, do you ever get tired of having so much, you know, the guys who are eating ramen noodles every day? Do you get tired of the excess in your life? <laughs> you know, do you get, do you get tired of, of all the gas that you have in your vehicle every day? You're like, oh, it's full again, you know? Do you get tired of just the absolute abundance of relationship love that you have? All your, you know, everyone around you just loves you so much. I mean, do you ever get tired of having all that you need? I mean, so much more. See, I say that, and, and I know some of you kind of laugh. I mean, some of the, uh, many of us walk around not that way at all. Not tired of all the extra stuff we have, but tired of the lack of it. You know, tired of, do you feel like you'd never have enough? You know? Dave Ramsey, nephew, always says there's too much month left at the end of the money. You know what I mean? There, there's, there's just not enough. There's not enough. And we need it. We do. We pray. I mean, how many times do we pray this way to God? God, just give me this one more thing. I mean, I know you've been, you know, kind of good because we, we've not sunk yet. But just, just help me out with, because I don't have what I need yet. Father, God, creator of the universe, knitter of souls. You see, and, and we pray that way a lot. The ugly truth, the ugly truth that I see is that, the truth, that we're all guilty of excess in some way, you know? In our lives, I mean, I'm talking to us, me, you, Highland, here, now, Illinois, United States, we're all guilty of excess. That's the terrible truth, the ugly truth. The biggest loser, <laughs> Right? By the way, if we had that for softball, we'd have, we'd have been great. Biggest losers. Okay, but here you want to lose. Why? Because we, what is it? It's excess. We can't stop. We can't stop. So it's too much food. It's not enough exercise. It's, it's too much time on the couch in front of the TV. We have our um, three-car garage in our house that's so big, you know, you, you, it's, like, it's like a, it's, it would be a mansion just like, what, 40 years ago? A mansion. Everybody's got one. We, we, have, we have big four-wheel drive trucks, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not going to pick, I mean, because I really like a big, jacked-up four-wheel drive truck. I get to see them around Highland sometimes. I'm like, yeah, man, I wanted that. I would like to have that. You know where your pipes are the same height as everyone else's doors and windows and so you can scare the people in minivans, you know what I mean? You know? Yeah, the big tower. I want to see the shocks. Why? Because it's cool. It's not enough. I had to put in Harley Davidson's. It's not, because you can't, it's not, there's not enough chrome on there, or leather hanging off of it yet. There's not enough. It's, it's excessive, and we're all guilty of it. Today I'm going to talk about how much is enough for us. I'm going to ask right here on, on the front side, I want to ask a question of you. Do you, personally, this is kind of a challenge to you, do you have a limit 
in your life? I mean, have you ever sat and thought, here's the line. Wherever I am right now, here's the line. If this means income level, I'll never, I'll never take more salary than that because it's just ludicrous. I'll never own that many Harley Davidsons because it's ludicrous. I'll never have that many toys. I'll never have that big of a house. I mean, do, do, have you ever drawn a line in your life and said, that's enough? Father God, that's enough. And this is the line. And as you as my witness and you as my helper, when I get there, I'm going to say, that's enough. More than I need. I don't know if you've done that. I would challenge you if you haven't to think about it. Where's the line in your life? I want to turn this around before, right before we get into my favorite. I've never heard this preached before, and I'm so excited to preach the word this morning. We're talking from Exodus. But I see this not just out there in the world. You know, we say the world, you know. Oh, the world is excessive. The world is too much. The world is consuming itself to death, right? I, I want to talk about how ministries and churches do the same thing, right? It's never enough. I've, I've sat with you more than one time where I've seen a minister say, it's the end of the year, and we're short. Because last year, we went out on faith and increased our budget by 40%. I've, I've seen him say, we have a new building program, and it's going to be six times bigger than our current sanctuary. And we couch it in all kinds of language that makes it seem okay because it's for the glory of God, right? It's not about us. It's his glory and his purpose and his kingdom. But when we walk in and we get to our church and there's a Starbucks in the corner and there's a children's ministry with a VW bug cut in half, it's so cool, you know? And it starts to feel like it ain't about him at all. Which church do you go to? I go to that can you see that one across town from here? Yeah, that's my church. And it starts to feel like, where's our line? And, and I'm just asking the question because I am so excited today to share from the word with you. And before we do, I want to get in, um, I want to get in some time with God here and pray that he will reveal himself through his word. He's been doing it since the beginning of time when the word says in the beginning, God created the Pentateuch, the first five books, men sat around fires and they looked at it and they read it and they heard it and they prayed over it and they were revealed. God revealed himself to them. And we're going to do the same thing this morning. And then we're going to go back to Exodus together. Pray with me if you would. Father, this morning as we, we, we live lives of abundance, I don't know what we think, we believe that we don't have that we need. But today, Father, I know your Holy Spirit is working already in our lives and in our souls to call us to you, to call us out of all the stuff that we're so distracted by. So today, Father, as we open your word, like generation upon generation have done, we pray that your Holy Spirit would indwell it, bring it to life, bring your word to life for us today, that we could know more about you and more about ourselves, that we could repent and turn and follow you, that we would have abundant life in Christ. We trust you with it. We're expectant for your word be revealed today to us. And we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen. So I don't know if we can pull up that first Exodus. It's going to be Exodus um, 
30 something. Let me get there. I'll tell you what it is. There it is. 35. Now, that's kind of true. We're actually going to talk about 36 where we're going to end up, but I want to kind of jump around here. You know, um, when you talk about what it looks like to be the church, it said, you know, don't forsake the gathering together of the saints, the reading and the word, and, and prayer. Prayer. Those are the things that the church does together. And so I want to just hear this story. This is in the book of Exodus. Second book. Uh, right, right. Is it that true, right? Yeah. And it's um, part of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. This becomes the underpinning for Israel's journey with Jesus, I mean journey with God, the, the same thing, just following after their Savior. And um, you'll remember the Exodus story, we're going to kind of jump around a little bit, but I want to start in verse 4 of chapter 35. Just hear the word with me. So Moses, now Moses is the guy who's leading the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, right? God chose him to do that. And, and Moses said to the whole Israelite community, which is rather large, this is what the Lord, by the way, see the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, right? That's Yahweh, the creator God. This is what Yahweh has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, fine linen, goat hair, by the way, if you brought some of that today, we'll be good. You just jam it in the joy box for us. Uh, ram skins dyed red, hides of sea cows, Acadia wood, olive oil for the lights, spices for the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense, the onyx stones, and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breast Peace. Now, if you want to know what that stuff is, it's all lined out of what God said you're going to do with all the stuff he's calling you to use, right? Verse 10, pick up with me. All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. That means make it with your hands. The tabernacle with its tent and its covering clasps, frames, crossbars, posts, bases. The ark with its poles and atonement cover and the curtain that shields it. The table with its poles and all the articles and the bread of the presence. The lampstand that's for light and its accessories. And it goes on and on and on to describe what... God's calling them to do with the stuff that they bring. Now I want to pick up again in, in 26, uh, verse 26 of chapter 35. So it kind of goes on and talks about what they're going to do with all this stuff. And it says this, And all the women who were willing and had skills spun the goat hair. So, you know, if we get some of that today, we'll, we'll spin it somehow. The leaders brought onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece like they were told to do. And they also brought spices and olive oil for the light and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense. All the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings for all of the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. And so we have this, um, this kind of calling of the Israelite community. Now who knows where they are right now? They're making the tent. Where, where were they carrying this tent around? They were a portable church, right? And they were bringing this all together to, to, to worship Where? Uh, in Mount Sinai, in the desert, right? They had that, the, the golden calf has already happened. They danced around that when Moses was up there talking to God about what the rules were going to be, you know? And then they, they have this tent that they're going to follow. They're going to continue to worship. They haven't entered the Holy Land yet, the Promised Land. You remember, Moses doesn't get there. He doesn't make it. 
And so this is where we see the Israelites, and, and Moses is calling them to bring all this stuff, right? And it really strikes me because I've seen this before, you know what I mean? I mean, I've seen the TV preacher, or heck, the local preacher who says, we just need to make the goal. We just need a little more, you know? I've seen it. Um, I've even seen the guys, and we'll talk about this later too, where, you know, they say, you know, uh, uh, seed, uh, sow a seed for the future, and then you're going to reap a harvest and stuff, you know what I mean? And there are scriptures that they kind of uh, use for that purpose. And I, I just want to talk about, you know, this excess. But before I do, I want to remember one thing. One thing, and it's this. Where did this come from? And I want to remind all of us, because it's interesting to hear, to hear the word shared. Um, so uh, the Israelites were in slavery, and Pharaoh wasn't letting them go because they were slaves. Like, they had to work for him, right? And so he was going to lose all his best workers. When God called them out, called them to follow him, this was bad news for the kingdom of Egypt. He was losing his best people. They worked for nothing, you know? Um, and so he wasn't going to let them go. And so God started trying to convince him, right? Let them go. Our campers are like, well, Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Let my people go. Okay, so here we're going to pick up in chapter 12. This is what happened after the final plague where every household, God struck someone down and said, I'm serious about my people being allowed to follow me. And this is what it says. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, get up and leave my people and go. Worship Yahweh like you've requested. Take your flocks and your herds like you have said and get out of here and also leave a blessing for me, right? <laughs> because why not? This guy they're following is the real deal. Bless me on your way out. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry up and leave the country, right? So they go from being slaves to being shooed out the door. Just get away from us because otherwise we're all going to die, the Egyptians said. So the people took their dough before the yeast was added, and they carried it on their shoulders. I want you to hear. And the kneading troughs were wrapped in clo clo um, clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians. Now what happens here on the way out? They say, Moses says, ask the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and clothing. Okay? So you've got to get the picture. They're slaves. They've been oppressed. They finally get their freedom. And Moses says, and on your way out, say, excuse me, can I have your earrings? Excuse me, that's a very nice ephod you have there. Can I have it, please? You know? Excuse me, that's a very beautiful whatever. Clothes, linens, scarlet, and purple. And this is what the word reveals to us. The Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards his people, and they gave them what they asked for. And in this way, the Israelites plundered the Egyptians. They took it all with them on the way out. And I just want to bring that up because we're back here now. We've been, you know, through the journey of the desert and through all the sin and all that stuff. And God, you know, there's conversations with Moses and God. But in this place, God says, now bring back to me some of the stuff that I've had poured out on you. Poured out on you. So the Israelites do. They bring the offerings into the house of worship right? And this is all fine enough, all fine and good here so far. We've heard all this before. I want to pick up in 36.1. So every skilled person to whom the Lord had given skill and ability to know how to carry out work, that means that God gave them the ability to do what they're going to do and for his glory, for his purpose. Every skill and ability they've been given of constructing the sanctuary are going to do just as the, the, the Lord had commanded them. And then Moses summoned uh, Bezalel and Ohaliab, 
I'm doing my best there. And every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come to do the work. I want you to see that. That God had given them an ability and a willingness to come and to serve. And they received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of instructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring freewill offerings morning after morning after morning so that the skilled craftsmen who were busy building the tabernacle and working came, uh, doing all the work of sanctuary, left their work and came to Moses saying, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord has commanded to be done. So Moses gave an order and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they, had al- what they already had was more than enough to do the work. More than enough already. And, and I think that this is something that we, we just, we don't get anymore. That, that whenever God calls us to do something and it's enough, that's enough, that's it. And I love that we remember where this blessing came from. It came from God himself poured out. I want to take a minute and really reflect on what we have in our lives. Just really think about that. Because I think if we do, we'll find that we have more than we need. You know, this doesn't come like naturally. This comes supernaturally. There's an experience that we have in Christ that we realize that he has given us everything Everything came from him. And just like the Egyptians uh, who were plundered by the Israelites, so are we as sojourners here in the world. God is just pouring out blessing on us. And then we, we receive it. And, and, but the problem is that sometimes we receive it and we act like it's not adequate. It's not enough. But the truth is that we have all that we need, right? So the first thing we're talking about is, this, is that um, we have more more than we need. I'm just so stunned by that, man. I mean, I want to, to I mean, oh, I'm preaching it today, right? If I want somebody to go, that's it. No more. This is what God called us to, and we're going we're gonna to do this with what we have, and, and that's, all, that's all you can bring. Restrain people from bringing their gifts to God. Why? Because they are so moved by a spirit of generosity. They've been so transformed by the gospel of Jesus that they know that nothing else matters. And you have to bolt the door and say, stop it. Stay home. We know. He's given us all more than we need. We don't often find that in our lives. We find ourselves begging and pleading. It's so irritating. And myself, you know, for other more stuff, more excess. But it's more than we need. See, we're going to talk about, um, I'm so excited to do Financial Peace University. You know, and we talked about it earlier already a little bit. But I went through it five years ago. And until five years ago, I thought I didn't have enough. You know what I found out? (laughs) I found out I could live on less and have more. I'm not talking to some, you know, you know, so is see. I'm talking, you can live on less and have more. And it's been so amazing to have that experience, and I, I blame Jesus for that. He dragged me in there, 
and revealed it to me, opened my eyes to the truth of how much he was entrusting to me to be used for his purpose and his kingdom and his glory. And in this way, all the possibilities opened up of things, of, of other avenues that I would have said before, we can't do that. We can't afford it. We can't go there. We can't live like that. We can't give like that. We can't. We can't. And God says, no, it's more than you need. I've given you more, more than you need. I want to show you a text. Uh, it's from the, uh, Paul writes this in Philippians, right, to the church in Philippi. Can you go back? Well, I think we both pushed it at the same time. I'll quit pushing my thing up. Well, is there one between there? Well, we'll just do that. It might be the only one we got, okay? It says this. is I have learned the secret. This is the second part of what I had pulled together. But it says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether being well-fed or hungry, Paul writes. You remember? In prison for the gospel. Whether living in plenty or in want. Because I can do everything through him who gives me strength. That there's this truth that in our life in Christ, we have more than we need. And Paul knew it. And when you read the words, you realize it. That as believers in Jesus, as the part of the church of Jesus Christ, that we should have abundant life with what we have now. Not constantly waiting for the next big windfall. If you show me someone who can't spare anything for anyone else, I'll show you someone who will never have enough. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, people say things like this, and I'm not, and I want to be clear too, because this is about bringing an offering back to God, but I am so over that situation because the truth is that we are greedy to our soul. We are greedy to the bone. And without Christ, we can't let go of it. And I just know because that's my experience and I have to pray prayers of God, take it from me. I don't even want it anymore because it's not real. It's not true. It's not authentic. It's fake. It's a bartering system that humans have created. And so in this way, we can re be released from this oppression of desire, you know? So we have more, more than we need. And I've had people say to me, well, you know, whenever, I, uh, uh, and I'm going to talk to you about giving, not to the church. I'm going to talk to you about giving in your life. I'm going to talk to you college students about what you have. I want you to take an inventory of your life and I want you to see what you have and not what you don't have. And I want you to look at it and I want you to ask a question. Can I give anything away? Can I let go of anything that I have? Can I spare a dime? Can I spare a coat? Can I spare an hour of my time? Because the truth is, it's a heart issue. It's not a material goods issue. You can have everything in the world. You know, the truth is, I used to work in business and I would see people who would sit in the corner offices and had it all and it wasn't enough. They, they couldn't go home to the family because it wasn't enough. They, they couldn't get enough pleasures because it wasn't enough. The book of Ecclesiastes says as much. So it becomes a hard issue for you and for me that if we live in this place where we don't have enough, we'll never have enough, we're never going to be able to give and don't matter how much you have. It doesn't matter how much you have. You'll never have enough. And the second thing I want to talk about is this, right? Um, all is too much, right? If you need all of it, it's too much. And that's true for everything. We're going to go to the next little kind of thing here. So, so um, I, I, when I saw Moses turning away gold earrings and stuff, I thought, you know, why not build a bigger barn? <laughs> you know what I mean? Why not take some for the road? Why not have a little excess? And he goes, no, that's it. That's enough. That's what all we needed. All of it is too much. I, I went to see my doctor, and uh, we were talking about 
you know, weight and stuff like that. This is a few years ago before Biggest Loser. And, and um, he said, uh, let me ask you a question. Do you clean your plate? And I said, yes, sir, I do. <laughs> he said, your mom teach you that? I said, yes, sir, she did. You see, I was raised in a poor house. We had like, you know, canned soup every night. And you cleaned your plate. You didn't waste nothing. And he said, stop it. What? He said, I know there's children starving in China. The children starving in China, right? I said, yeah, that's what my mom said. He goes, you ain't helping them. You know, you, you ain't helping them. Do they feel better? I'm, look at me, <laughs> children in China. You know, I'm, I'm just saying. He said, don't. Leave the little on your plate. Push it away. Get in the habit of leaving the last bite of food. You don't need it. You are eating too much. If you're cleaning your plate, you're eating too much. I said, well, doctor, I'll try. I, I can't do it. It's ingrained in me. Clean your plate. All is too much. So um, the other thing kind of came to mind with this is uh, the, the um, Lord of the Rings with Smeagol. You know, he, he starts out and he kind of just gets to this point where he's, I have to have it. I think that's the experience we have with God. If we look in our hands and we go, it's not enough, God. It's not enough, God. It's not enough, God. It's not enough. And it's never enough. And the tighter we clinch, the more we lose it. And God just says, let go. Open your hand. And I want to encourage you, if you're there, you can pray that prayer with me. God, unclench my fists from the things of the world. Teach me to serve with an open hand. Teach me not to care if someone comes and steals money from me. Well, they took advantage of me. It was mine. No, it wasn't. Teach me to trust the God of all creation that he's taking care of me as this person. Teach me to live with an open hand. Because all is too much. All of it is too much. So I'm going to change gears here one more time. I want to push forward. I want to look at um, this <laughs> verse that we have and talk about, you know, because we talked about the Ecclesia Family BC, how we're doing this church thing here at Family Bible Church and some of the things that, that, that are the way they are and they're kind of just that way. And I want to talk about the green boxes in the back. Now, I'm going to give you an opportunity now to refrain for a moment from cheering because we're going to talk about those boxes and why they are that way. I do want to just, this is a little housekeeping thing, but here at Family Bible, you see, I don't know how you were raised, but, and we have people advocate strongly for the fact that if you would just pass a plate around, each person would feel responsible to put something in, and then on the whole, you would get more. Here's part of the problem. We believe at Family Bible Church that, that giving is part of our worship. That, you know, the, the word says, don't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. And I don't mean if you're given here or you're given to uh, someone else. You're given to a person that you know is in need. You're given to a family that doesn't have something and nobody knows you're doing it. Find that kind of giving and do that. I was raised in a church where they had long handles in the baskets. We couldn't even touch the offering plate. You know, they wouldn't pass it down the road because somebody might take something out of it, you know. So they had the long, it was probably just because it was practical, you know, impose and you go over the row. You know what I mean, everybody? Now you talk about some guilt. When you get that in front of you, you're like, um, you know, like the guy's got a stick, a basket on a stick. I mean, I, 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 I can't even make a, a pure decision here on what I should do. So what we did at Family Bible, and we stuck with it so far, is we put these boxes in the back and we said, God is going to move in the hearts of those who are compelled to give. And whatever he gives us is more than enough. And we're going to find a way to minister within the needs of this community with what God has blessed us with. And we're committed to that. And, and so we talk about these green boxes in the back, and we call them joy boxes, right? 
Very good. See, no, you did good. That's okay. Because, and there's a reason I want to talk about why we do that. It's going to be in 1 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. And it's got to do with the same issue of um, it's all too much and uh, there's never enough. And, and, and um, or it's more than we need, I should say. So I'm going to start in verse 6 because verse 6 threw me for a loop and I'm going to talk about it honestly and we're going to move on. Ver- chapter uh, 9 of 2 Corinthians says this in verse 6. Paul's writing about some folks who are coming to prepare an offering for the folks who are coming behind them, right? And he says this, remember this. He says, you know, it's, it's like this, guys. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap generously, right? And that's the kind of verse where you've heard people say, you know, you plant a seed. I mean, you're going to have to plant abundantly if you want to get an abundant harvest. But I have to tell you, something in my soul says that's the wrong heart. If you're only sowing seed to get a harvest out of it, I'm not sure that that's what God's after. Verse 7 says this, and this is where we stand at Family Bible Church. Each person should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly, not under compulsion. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace, Paul, all grace, Paul says, abound in you, to you, so that in all things, at all times, listen to what he says, having all that you need, you abound in every good work. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you the cool thing about giving money away. I'm going to have to stop this. My phone is a terror. Once the alarm starts going off, it won't stop. Um, the being able to bring a, a, an offering lets us stand on the same side of the blessing as God. Does that make sense? I mean, you know, living in this place where we have enough and we get to go to a joy box or we get to go to a local charity, we get to go to a family in need and we get to go, here, have it. And they go, I can't take that, it's not mine. And you go, yeah, it's yours, yours. I just gave it to you. I don't need it. And you get to stand and you get to go walk back home with a God who is giving you what Paul says is everything you need for every good work. And you get to go, that was so cool. It was so awesome. You are so good to me. Standing on that side of the equation allows us, instead of being the ever-needing, never-full, overeating, over-consuming people that we have a tendency to be by our nature, it lets us stand in awe of the God who made us, the God who's pouring out blessings on us, and we get to just go, wow, that's so cool. And even if you find that you're living on less than you ever thought was possible in your life, you get to go, wow, that's so cool because you're so good to me. It says this, God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I think God loves everybody, right? But this is is agape here. He he loves uh, someone who gives cheerfully, and we can see what he doesn't love. And this is why we don't pass a plate around, why we don't put baskets on a stick, because it might be good financial advice to do that. This is why we don't do it at Family Bible, because he doesn't like, he doesn't love people giving reluctantly or under compulsion, right? The two words, reluctantly there is like a words of sorrow, you know, like, oh, it's so hard. And, or, or the other word there is being squeezed, you know, you can't get blood out of a turnip, right? That's what they always say about people who are frugal. You can't, you can't, you can't get any excess out of there. And that's what he means. People who are under compulsion, who are squeezed, who are twisted into giving. Why? Why does it matter to God how we give, right? 
I remember one time I went to a church with a friend of mine who's a pastor also. And we walked in, and it was a mega church, you know. I think I told somebody this story this week. Golf carts up and down the, the sanctuary. Golf carts in the building. It was crazy, right? And, and he's like, yes, you know. And I go, really? And, and he says, um, well, what's the difference? Men build all kinds of monuments to themselves. This is a monument to God. And I just think, what is it that pleases, pleases God? It seems to me that it's the heart that's completely sold out to him, the heart that says it's more than I need, it's more than enough. God, we don't need any more. You've given us everything we need to do what you've called us to do. And in this way, it says God loves a cheerful giver. And the word cheerful actually means, it's funny because we always go, woo, right? But it actually means... Um, uh, hilaros is the word in Greek. Hilarious, you know? So you can give and like laugh about it. And people are like, you're crazy. And you're like, yeah. You're just giving and you're, that's what God loves. Not somebody who's squeezed out of them. There. Hope you're satisfied. You know what I mean? Uh, or, or even a legalistic system of giving that says, this is your part. You've done your part. God doesn't want us in that kind of a mechanism. He wants our hearts. I tell you why I think God loves a cheerful giver. Because the truth is that we are fulfilled not in material goods, not in the size of our church, not in the, 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 the programs that we have. We're fulfilled in Christ, in Christ alone. We're fulfilled in Jesus as Christians. And I want you to know that every time you just say, take it, take it, God's going, yeah, that one's mine. It's a hard issue for us. Now, I know some of you are sitting there going, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And, and I was there too. Um, I remember whenever that wasn't enough and it wasn't anything I did. It was Jesus. He came in and I just go, oh, I have so much have so much and I've been ignoring you God who made everything and I just turned it over and you can do it too today and I'm not talking about you're going to give us your money we don't even want your money we want you to know God to follow him and to follow his commands for your life and you do what you feel compelled to do by his spirit because he will get in there and move your furniture around right he'll rearrange your life and we'll trust that but if you don't know Jesus, he paid the price. One of the things that Jesus said is in the Gospel of Matthew. He said this to his disciples. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat? Or saying, what shall we drink? Or saying, what shall we wear? Because pagans, the world, the other worshipers run after all these things. But your heavenly Father knows what you need. And this verse here has just transformed me. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. I want to tell you, that word comes as a rebuke often. What are you doing, disciple? What are you doing in your life? Is it about me and my kingdom and my purpose? And when you turn it over, God says, there you go. That's the heart of a disciple. Pray with me if you would. Father God, today, I'm not sure. You, you know where every heart is. You know every situation that we're facing. God, we want to be the kind of people that face it in abundance. And today, Lord, if, if uh, I, I know that everyone here is on that journey with you somewhere, following up Jesus in some way, pursuing him and being pursued. And so today, Lord, 
I pray that we would let go of the things that are distracting us. We would cast them off and we would just grow in you, that we would grow to be more like Jesus, that we would take that, whatever that is next for us, that next little step toward him and toward his purpose for our life. And Father, if, if, if you, uh, you ordain conversations in our body here at Family Bible that we can talk about what that looks like and what we're called to do and how we're called to do it, I pray that your Holy Spirit would richly indwell that conversation that we could be after you. We have that wisdom and discernment to say, that's enough on that. We're going to go over here and do this, that we could pursue you with reckless abandon as people who've been given life, given eternal life. So today, Father, we trust you with all that. And we pray that as your disciples, you keep rebuking us with your word. You would keep challenging us with the truth that it presents and that we could be, in, in the day that we come to meet you, we'd have full confidence because we've known you all along. We thank you, Jesus, for that. We pray these prayers. We bind them up. In Jesus' name, amen.